Hi everybody, welcome back to the Trauma of Abuse podcast. I'm having a bit of a sick day today. <laughs> I've come down with all the bugs that are going around after lockdown has been released and now everyone has got that kind of winter colds, flu bugs, everything, sore throats, blah blah blah. <laughs> so um, I just thought I'd check in with you all and um, see how you're all doing and basically I've set up my uh, Facebook page now which is the same name as the podcast, the Trauma of Abuse podcast. So we've got the same pink logo um, on the podcast. Um, so we've now got a Facebook page to go with it. So it's just a point of contact, really, if you um, want to get involved or you want to contact me with any genuine information or stories or you want to share anything uh, with me you think is important um, in what we're doing, um, or you'd like to hear something on the podcast that hasn't been uh, brought up yet, or you, you you know you can relate to something, let me know. Um, also check out some of the posts which will be relevant um, to what I've discussed in the podcast, and we'll link in because um, I realise some of the like television programs and things like that, um, and links and YouTube videos and things like that um, may not be. Um, something that you can easily um, access so I, I thought it'd be helpful to have some links on there as well to those things when they come up so um also if if for some reason you want to donate um that's not what this is about this isn't about money making this is about kind of providing something free for people but um if you did want to contribute in any way or you had anything to give perhaps in a non-monetary sense so you wanted to give expertise or time or you wanted to make me aware of services that are available that might be helpful to people I'm not really promoting businesses as such um, unless they are for a specific purpose of um, supporting survivors um, of trauma and abuse or educating um, in the right way so I'm really happy to hear about any of those things that are positive that are genuine um, it has to be truthful that's the only thing has to be absolutely truthful. So I've really enjoyed this week. I've still been, you know, actively talking to lots of different people, watching lots of videos, reading people's accounts. And I'm just drumming up. So as well as doing my Facebook page, the Trauma of Abuse um, podcast Facebook page, which you can um, you can like and follow. Um, I've also been sort of doing it almost like um, a little bit more research and a little bit more... Um, asking questions and people have just voluntarily brought information to me which has been absolutely amazing um check out the um information about louise tickle the journalist as well and some of the work she's doing on the facebook page because that's really really useful for you to check that out that's probably self-explanatory so it's best that you look that one up um yeah i've been talking to people um and just really asking questions like um what their experiences have been um and you know i was speaking to someone today who who's basically had um she's in the middle of a court hearing at the moment and the one of the themes that comes up quite comes up quite often um so you'll have to put it with me sort of <clears throat> feeling ill and having to sip cups of coffee and uh, things <laughs> as i'm talking to you today um yeah, so some of them people have have come up with this, you know, total chaos and confusion that they are put through as they're being put through a process, um, following on from abusive behaviour. Um, they're also very shocked to hear that it's happening on such a widespread scale. 
So everybody assumes it's just happening to them. I think the children assume this as well. Children assume nobody else is experiencing this, only me. And then they sort of discover, going to school and talk to other people, um, that they're not the only ones. And I think that the the victims as well, the adult victims, uh, certainly find the same thing. So, and the widespread scale of what's happening. Um, and the conclusion that they're coming to... Um, on the whole, is that the abuse by the original perpetrator, whether it be their ex-partner, whether it be a family member, whether it be um, somebody at work, is nothing compared to the abuse from the authorities that then follows on from that abuse. Um, my general um, impression that I'm getting from, from the majority of people who I'm getting feedback and information and filling out questionnaires um, from a wide sector, um, really, and variety of people, is that people need to receive help before being trapped um, into it. And that, you, you know, the system um, and diving in, kind of going, go to a list. There seems to be a lot of um, services letting people down, and they're wasting people's time, they're wasting people's money, they're wearing them down. And there's somebody suggested made a really good suggestion actually, which was that there should be a guide to what's available everywhere, um, and what to expect once you um escape. Um, and the different scenarios of um what happens after escaping abuse. Um, then you can enter into another environment. Now this is something that the Freedom Program touches on because it does talk about um, you know, don't go home and nut him is the expression that they use on this particular programme, um, which basically means don't go home and confront your abuser because actually the time which you leave, and there's other information out there actually that, that's quite well known, um, that the time of leaving is one of the riskiest times. So people in working with victims and women and children should know that after leaving can be one of the most dangerous times as well as being trapped in the immediate household or environment or workplace or wherever it may be taking place um that there's this ongoing alternative form of abuse if you like um one of the things that ugh, i find most upsetting really to um to constantly hear as a common theme is that um once people have escaped and once they are thrown into the system or trapped in it that they cannot escape it um, that they haven't done anything wrong, that they cannot escape this sort of system that then swallows them up, then pushes them in the direction of various people taking advantage of them um, in the system, whether it be for monetary purposes or other purposes, um, or self, you know, self-aggrandisement, I suppose I would call it. Um, you know, people making a job for themselves, basically, um, out preying on the vulnerable, and it, it does, and it sort of... Um, these other control freaks come along and uh, that causes gaslighting confusion and everything and it's sort of like a repetition of the original situation which can be even more um, distressing and um, also have long-term effects um, and it means that things are not being handled properly in the right in the right way what I'm hearing repeatedly in conclusion is that effectively um, once the authorities get involved they are worse than the original perpetrator themselves and they are worse than the original abuse itself which i find just horrific really um 
Yeah, interesting what I heard about refuges. Um, so I hear frequently that police don't act on things or they're not really interested in, and although quest control is illegal, blah, 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 and that there are many forms of domestic violence, that they're only really interested in a straightforward assault. And sometimes they're not even interested in that or rape. Um, but when they are um, seen by police, they're often passed to refugees or refuges sorry I'm having trouble talking because I've got a very s s blocked up <laughs> at the moment um so basically um yeah I've um, I've got a terrible cold so I'm doing my best <laughs> um they they basically pass you on or pass children on social services instead of dealing with the criminal matters um or victim support used to be the one as well um now, it's interesting to hear about ref women's refuges because we, we do hear a lot about good campaign work that they do, but I don't hear a great deal about what they actually do practically to support women other than that there are very few um, accommodations available um, for women and, and far too few in, in the UK, certainly. Um, basically saying who who they're supposed to be concerned about the safety issues and off counselling um and so are some of the domestic violence centers that are set up to support women but if you ask for an explanation or advice they will acknowledge um the abuse and control so they recognize the signs they talk to you they recognize what's happening to you and acknowledge it but they refuse to give you any practical advice so you, they're not allowed to say things like oh we're not allowed to give advice out or we're not allowed to give legal advice or we can't give you counseling because it might look bad in court or and then they sort of pass you on to a lawyer and again of course you're back in the lion's den then aren't you and you find that this is what happens is people are being passed around quite a bit now sometimes you need a different service for a different aspect of what's going on so it might be appropriate for you to be sent to one place for food one place for accommodation and one place for um you know support in one area or another and it makes sense to get that specialist support but I think what what they're saying here is that actually you go to these places and they can't just sit down and help you they also um, what I'm finding quite frequently is that they won't go along and support you outside of their little center so you might be visiting their little place you might be telephoning them but when you say well can somebody come to court with me or can somebody come to this meeting with me where I'm terrorized by the service or can somebody come and sit in my home with me whilst and be a witness whilst they um, interrogate me or come to see me um you find that they're like oh well, we don't do that you know and so there's something missing there there's, there's a little gap there that's missing um and victim support used to come out to people and actually drive them, you know, if they were making statements to police or they were a witness to a crime. Many years ago, they used to actually um, refer people to this support service and they would come to the house and they would often be a bit of a stranger. So, you know, you kind of think, well, who is this person? Um, but they would give you a lift to the station to make a statement They um, to the police or something, or they would come and chat to you and say, how are you feeling? And is there anything and get to you? And they would be a very supportive service. But um, what we're finding is when people are escaping domestic abuse and then they're referred to a service such as a refuge or such as a lawyer or such as a social worker, there's nowhere to go, um, or a support worker, so-called. Um, we're finding that those people are actually quite abusive themselves, um, or the police, and people assume, oh, well, they'll deal with this in a sensitive way. Well, I've had lawyers blatantly say to my face, I'm not a social worker, I'm not a counsellor, I'm not people, I'm not here to be nice to people. Um, I've blatantly had them say that to me. 
So, you know, the point is they're not really there to care about you. They don't care about you. They don't care about their children. Um, and, you know, although sometimes they can be quite good and sit between you and the perpetrator in meetings and things like that. I've had that happen before. Um, they're not actually... Um, a lot of these services are there for you to drop in, have a cup of coffee, chat to somebody, but they're not actually there when you need them. They're not there when your child is screaming and shouting, doesn't want to go to school or doesn't want to go out because they're frightened of the abuser. Um, they're not there on a weekend sometimes. They're not there mornings sometimes before nine o'clock or 9.30 when a lot of these distressful things happen. They're not there when... Um, the perpetrator wants to collect them on a weekend um, from somewhere and you, you feel isolated and frightened that they're going to attack you. Um, and they're not there, as I say, when when the services are quite vicious and um, and you need that one-to-one -one support. So, And there's such a thing called IDVAS here, which is, um, basically is an independent domestic violence support person. We have so few such a minimal amount of these people and they only are there for purposes. It's almost a bit like... I was saying this to my mum the other day. It's almost a bit like some of these services are a bit like, well, don't call us, we'll call you. Um, and I know that IDVAs are very good. They do understand domestic violence and everything. But I think the sheer lack of numbers of them and the purpose for which they are um, brought in through um, safety units and things and, and through police and, and social services as a sort of local council thing, um, they are really meant to stick up for the victim in meetings and things like that but they only deal with a very few cases um so the majority of people actually need them they're not available for them at all or they've signed it off so very difficult or they only turn up to certain things and do certain things so and again much like this lady said about the re refuges um you get referred to a lawyer <laughs> Um, but do they come to the police with you? No. Do they come to the lawyer with you? No. <laughs> do they support you when you're confused about what's happened? No. <laughs> That's what's really needed is a sort of like one-to-one -one person who's consistent, who says, and you think, well, why can't a friend or family member do that? Or why can't a neighbour do that? Or why can't... What you actually find is that those people become emotionally involved or become distressed or they don't know what to tell you or they don't know how to handle that situation. You need people who are really experienced and properly trained and really going to stick their neck out and say, actually... This is what they said. This is what I've written down. I've taken some notes for you, right? Um, we don't know what that means, so we're going to look that up and we're going to find out what that means before we go back to them. And this sort of thing, because I find a lot of people actually ask questions to the lawyers and they don't get answers or they assume that they... They do things like talk about sealed documents, for example. Nobody knows what a sealed document e even is. I mean, we know what the word sealed means. It means like it's enclosed or something. Nobody even knows what that means. There's a lot of terminology. I've put some things up um a brief skeleton um summary of um some jargon actually on the facebook page for you to have a look at it. um now you think when you well we can just ask but very often you ask for answers from these services and you don't get a straightforward answer or you get an answer that doesn't quite make sense so um <coughs> there's a little tip for anybody dealing with victims or people in the process is that very often they don't understand local authority or local council jargon um and terminology they don't understand abbreviations for things either um and they don't understand well, you might understand what the word means but you don't understand it in context what they're actually talking about um and also when they're invited to go to things they don't understand what the agenda is going to be what they're actually going to be discussing and why and what the purpose is and what the risks are 
So there does need to be a bit of a handbook. Now, there are places you can go to like um, Rights of Women, Family Rights Group, um, trying to think of any others offhand, um, where they, they do give basic advice. I think there's um there's also a Temple Law Centre. Um and some of the courthouses have um a sort of clinic where you can go and seek free advice as well. But unless you get that clear comprehensive advice right from the beginning, which you expect to get from the people you're working with and it takes you years to work out that actually you're not getting the information. Um it can be very difficult. It can also be very difficult for people to read things on paper because of the emotional distress behind it, the names that are mentioned, the lies that are written down, the deliberate attempts to provoke people or distress people that are put in deliberately, <laughs> the deliberate misspellings of people's names, etc. And they are deliberate. They're tactics, I have been told that. Um, and also because of the environment they're in when they get them flung at them. So very often people will be in a very stress stressful um environment such as um an alien building um the abuser might be in the same building might even be in the same room when these things are flung at them and they kind of panic and then or they might be shoved in front of them two minutes before they go into a courtroom or something um or they might be sent to them electronically the morning nine o'clock when they're trying to have their breakfast get their children ready and you know get out the door to this horrific environment that they're scared of um you know, or somebody might drop it off at the door or somebody might come around and bully them the day before from the service and they're kind of, you know, still rattling from that and what's happening, why am I being, you know, interrogated like this. So um, this is what happens and people are not sort of given time to process and ask questions and time to think about things and time to process what's very distressing. Um. And when they are given time, sometimes it's too slow as well. So it's the pace at which things go that he's looking into. I think that's quite a, quite important. Um, some things are rushed through when they shouldn't be um, and not looked into properly in detail and everything. And other things, they take far too much time over. And of course, it causes more distress to the to participants. So I think that's something for everybody to, to really think about. Um, I'm doing my best to help people look through aspects of paperwork, aspects of what's going on, what to expect, what's happening. Um, of course, you can't really prepare people for what to expect because things don't go as they should do, and that's one of the problems. Um, there are a few surprises, but what you can do is explain what's just happened, what they've got on paper, and all these things to to them so that they understand exactly who said what, what their position is, what they, you know, what they're getting at. So, because very often... Um, what people write down on paper and present you with or don't present you with um, can be very different from what they tell you in person. And I think sometimes that's deliberate and sometimes it's not, but also bits can be missed off and you can assume that something's been recorded when it hasn't. So, <coughs> um, sorry, I'm coughing away here. Um, but I'm doing my best to, to get this across. So, yeah, have a little look at this video. It's about Louise Tickle. It's on my Facebook page, and it's a um, I would say I would tell you where, the, where to find it actually on YouTube. But unfortunately, even though you look under the Justice Office, um, YouTube videos, it doesn't appear on their uh, listings or their playlist or videos. Um, it only appears where people have sort of shared it with each other. Um, 
so you can go and sit on there but you can also sit on um other people's sites as well um i think it's really important at trying to open up this discussion of people's experiences and acknowledge really the things that are happening the things that have been said so that reporters can go out to families and they can look into cases and they can actually get a balanced um view of what's happening because of of course some of it um is on paper some of it isn't some of it's happening behind closed doors not being recorded but what is recorded is quite shocking as well um and you don't even have to mention names particularly i mean i have transcripts of things and i have um, official documents from experts of things to do with people's cases that um, don't actually, it's pretty clear what's happening and pretty clear that it's pretty awful. And as, you know, democratic societies and, and people who have a vote and, you know, we need to have a say in what's happening in the law and what's happening in um, in our country. And we need to be talking about that and thinking and, and the way people are treated. And we need to be saying, well, do we want our country to run things like this? Do we want people to be terrorised like this? Do we do we want people to have the right to be free from this and to have certain protections from being subjected to this? Often continually and often repeatedly over long spaces of time um, with dire consequences um, to their their lives um so and all the repercussions that go with that um you know i've heard people describe it as a circus i've heard people describe it as hellish living hell um and everything and i just feel that there's a real sense of callous um disregard for people actually within it um and whether that's deliberate or not is irrelevant really to me. It's happening. And the denial that it's happening is still there as well. It's quite clear to me that it's definitely happening and it's definitely on a quite a broad scale. So um, there's lots of women need to know about it. It's got very negative impact on the quality um, and health and time with their children. Um, and need to understand how messed up the system is basically um is what this lady said in other words <laughs> um that the the system not interested in addressing the problems at all um but in this video you'll see that they are starting to um where they've been very biased towards um other parties involved they're now just beginning to to take notice um, and look into it. I don't think they actually believe that there's anything to hide, but I think once it all comes out, they'll realise there's quite a lot to hide actually, um, and that they are hiding and have been hiding for quite a long time. And I think it's going to be a huge um, revelation to everybody when it is revealed um, so that we can get someone, we can actually improve things um as a nation as a country as a world as a network of you know civilized society if you like um so there's lots of groups out there um and people once they group together during times of oppression or hurt do find some uh, not just comfort in that but also find some really useful information in doing that and as they gather together in numbers it's a very natural thing to do um, when something's not right is to gather together and talk about it but when you have people sort of going well what are you talking about this doesn't happen 
and not discussing it and not connecting, you know, the higher leaders or authorities that have the same how it happens with the people on the ground. And this is why I think journalists are incredibly important. We hear a lot of negativity about journalists. Oh, you know, there's hacking scandal or this, you know, money making, um, whatever, or these people who've destroyed people's lives. Um, I actually think that good journalists have a huge role to play in bridging the gap between the authorities and the systems that are failing and the people in society who it's affecting and their experiences. And I think um, there's lots of other components, of course, and lots of charities that have a role in that as well. But I think that's the huge gap um, that's being bridged by people like Louise Tickle. And also... um, so far, the only lawyers that have, that have spoken out have been very few and far between who know what's hap- know what's happening. And um, their lack of insight into it as well, I think, is quite clear sometimes. Um, although some of them are, you know, gather, you know, getting better. Um, the, on the whole, it's a pretty um, oblivious partly because they only come in for a short time, do their job, disappear. Um, whereas you, f- and you find the same thing with a lot of these um, professions, that somebody's allocators, they come along, they, they start to, to see the truth and then they disappear again um, for various reasons. So um, things get concluded or people don't really look into it or they don't really get to the bottom of anything. And when they do they're encouraged to sort of um sidetrack it because well we we don't like to mention that or they don't want to hear that or it's best not to bring that up so nobody really gets a sort of honest good decent um conclusion because you know nothing's done thoroughly um in any sense at all um so that was it really. Um, I'm interested really in discrimination, bias, which we know is happening um, and why that's happening and really getting to the root cause of some of these problems. Um, I'm interested in which factions of the uh, system are the real causes of the problem because there is a bit of Chinese whispers and there's a bit of collaboration going on. But is it equal across the board and a culture or is it a particular culture that's having an influence or is it the secretism that's stopping um, scrutiny and questioning of it that's maybe not allowing it to progress into a more um, sustainable fashion because at the moment it doesn't appear to be very sustainable the way it's going Um, so yeah have a little watch of that video if you can on the Facebook page Um, single mothers seem to be discriminated against I've spoken to a lot of foreign women as well um, but it's not exclusive to foreigners or people of a different race Um, it's not exclusive to those who are poor or less educated but um, there is an assumption um, about certain people and they are treated as such second class citizens really um often because it's assumed that they are not because they actually are in reality um 
written reports. This is very interesting, actually. Some of the information I've received about written reports, whether it be by um, the police, whether it be by social services, whether it be by lawyers, um, teachers even. Um, interesting, the language used makes sort of, instead of just stating facts and things that are going on and recognising certain you know, important factors, there's a lot of vague um, assumptions, opinions and off the top of the heads from people who are not really expert or haven't really known known the people involved or the situation very well at all. There's a lot of um, labels put on people. Um, there's a lot of detrimental judgments and comments being written on reports as well. And then alterations to those, which I find a little bit worrying. So, there's all sorts going on here. Um, there's lots to be looked into. So really just gathering, I think gathering any information you can and finding out about this topic is really important. We hear a lot of topics being discussed and we hear far too much about COVID. Um, you know, everyone's getting a bit sick of hearing about the same old Brexit, climate change, COVID, and um, there's lots of important issues out there for people to discuss, but I think this needs to be right up there at the top, because um, fundamental abuse of people and abuse of power and abuse of um, systems by, you know, those people, and just fe people feeling in fear and terror. We don't need to live in a world where people fear and terror <laughs> is taken over, and especially where we spend all this money on security and national security and all that sort of thing to then have people terrorised through the very civilised building systems and what have you that are supposed to protect them because of a greedy few, because of a greedy many actually, um, is really, really awful and it needs to be eradicated really it really does need to be eradicated because these systems actually should be functioning properly and if they were functioning properly they wouldn't be there wouldn't be any question of this at all um there is a reason why they're not functioning properly and i think by being open and honest about what's happening and the more information we share with each other um about that um and the more we hear about the human aspect of that um, we will be able to solve that problem. There seems to be a denial that it is happening, and it is definitely happening, um, which is the first hurdle, I think. Then there seems to be a hurdle whereby truthful information is not getting out into the public domain. And where it is, it's being rubbished or discredited, um, sometimes falsely by, as I say, labelling people, collectives, bullying um threats and there's no need for it really because it's not really anything that shouldn't be shared far and wide and looked into and discussed quite openly by all sorts of people it doesn't have to necessarily be academics but those with a brain would be a good idea <laughs> um but it should be discussed by everybody who has a vote that's the whole point of us living in a democracy and I was having a say and having a vote and electing people, and we should all be aware of what's happening. We should all be aware of it. So, anyway, 
So I'm looking forward to um, updating you on any information that comes my way. Um, I'm going to carry on this week actually doing some more surveys and questionnaires because now that everywhere's starting to open up a little bit more, um, I can go and talk to people face to face in person and I think that's a better approach than just doing a blanket online survey. <laughs> um, you really get to hear and ask questions and to really understand what people are going through. So it's going to be a combination really, um, but I'm really looking forward to getting out, to talking to people um, and getting a really broad version of stories and events and accounts of what they're experiencing right now and keeping it current and up to date because some of these things that they're claiming have been changed or altered or improved I'm not seeing it I'm not seeing it oh well they've they've introduced this or introduced that I'm not seeing anything improving at all so it's really important more than ever to actually go out there and find out what's not improving and why and what people would like to see instead. Um, it's about time, really, that many of these services were working for the people rather than the people just being like cattle. I actually think that people are being treated like cattle and slaves. I'm, I'm not exaggerating there at all. I think they are literally being treated like, you know, second class fodder that goes through one end of the factory and out the other, turned into whatever comes out the other side. And those defective chucked on the pile. And nobody's really doing any quality control. Um, so if there's any kind of control that's needed, <laughs> I go on about how awful control is, but if there's any sort of positive control that's needed, it's quality control over um, the systems that are letting everybody down quite blatantly. So um, I'll leave it there for today and um, hopefully I'll feel better um, for the next podcast um, and then I'll be able to share a little bit more information with you then. Take care, everybody. Bye.